everybody, and welcome to episode 70 of the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Valverde, and Evan is unavailable this week. He's, what's the term? He's on assignment, which means he's not here. So we have uh, Waleed Ismail, who's been on the podcast a whole bunch of times here. Uh, so Waleed, you're the guest, so I'll ask you this question first. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I always love when I get to do this podcast, especially since I'm quarantined, and this is my only outlet. Yes, and we love having you. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing all right. Uh, going to be a jam-packed weekend full of fun, of fantasy football. Trying to get this draft kit done um, with Dr. Moore. So it's been injury hell and player profile hell for the last month and a half. I feel your pain here on the Football Absurdity website. We've been putting out a buttload of um, player profiles. We're going to pass 80 that we've put up this weekend we'll have those up and um our goal is to get to 150 so right now we have about 20 quarterbacks about 30 wide receivers and about 35 um running backs going up that math doesn't play out yeah it does give or take about we're gonna have about 80 guys up and um yeah i feel your pain mike so um so yeah if you want to check those out uh, mike where they where can they get your your draft kit when it's ready to go you can actually get it now on patreon uh at uh, Fantasy Doctors Patreon. You can get it there. We're giving you a choice between one player or the whole kit. There you go. And uh, for us, uh, you can just go to footballabsurdity.com and we got all the player profiles there. Some of those are going to go behind a paywall. Um, so if you want to read them, read them now. Um, other things, Beer Sheets is coming out. Um, Beer, uh, Kevin, the guy who does Beer Sheets, he did do his Beer Sheets are coming annual Reddit post. Those should be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, those are really great, really fun. Those are fully customizable cheat sheets. You can go ahead and put in your league scoring and they will uh, spit out a very streamlined and much easier to use for this year uh, spreadsheet. If you tried to use Beer Sheets in years past, there, it was a, there was a learning curve, but this year he got rid of the learning curve. It's a uh, uh, low low end proje- projection, likely projection, high end projection, and, and so they are, and they are looking sleek. Yeah, the they are. Setting looks beautiful. Sleek and slick, and he got rid of kickers and added more space for uh, the defenses, the DSTs. He's actually putting the first four weeks of the season with their matchup ratings in there from last year. So I, I, I thought that was a really nice touch, and I also think that everyone else who plays fantasy football should take uh, a note from beer sheets and also remove kickers from your league. <laughs> yes, Walid is, as we all should be, virulently anti-kicker. Um, beer Sheets is sponsored by 444, just so you know. Um, if you want a 444 subscription, go ahead, put Beer Sheets in the coupon code. You'll get, um, I believe, the, it's 10% off the, the price of a subscription, and it'll help out Kevin in his endeavors. As for us, we are brought to you by FanDuel, which we got <laughs> we got the FanDuel sponsorship right before sports ended, but sports are starting to come back. So uh, FanDuel.com slash Football Absurdity, promo code, uh, I'm sorry, FanDuel.com slash Absurdity, promo code Absurdity. So I think that's right. <laughs> it's been so long since we had the sponsorship. Um, so what we're going to do today is uh, we got a quick news rundown here. It's really easy. I didn't even bother sending it to you guys. And then we have um, sort of uh, three guys in new places that we've each chosen. Uh, a rookie running back, a rookie wide receiver, and then just a guy who changed uh, changed spots um, that we think that uh, might change their fancy football fortune or change that of the teammates. Um, around them and so we'll just go around the horn real quick talk about those guys but first 
Um, not a whole lot of news this this week. Um, we got uh, the coronavirus corner. NFL thinks they'll have full training camps and reduced preseason games. That was announced yesterday on the 25th. Um, the NFLPA recommends no offseason workouts because everybody's catching corona. And the high-profile fancy guy who had corona, Ezekiel Elliott, is reportedly recovered and fine. So these these this training camp but reduced preseason games, This the reduced preseason games make me worry for – I would guess I would say down roster, deeper rookies that we hope uh, will break out because of somebody ahead of them stumbling. Like, I, I don't think this is going to affect like your top line guys, but you know, P I we've heard some buzz from uh, like, this could hurt Keyshawn Vaughn a lot. Like that's the kind of guy who, who's a hundred percent dependent on situation. And I think that a reduced preseason could cause some troubles with uh, him taking over from Ronald Jones, for example. Um, what do you guys think about um, this reduced preseason? They're talking it looks like two games instead of four. I, I actually think he nailed it. Um, reduced A reduced preseason seriously affects younger players, like rookies, undrafted rookies, because you need all the time you can get to prove yourself. And there's a steep learning curve going from college to the NFL. So I'm actually going to be really – curious to see how this actually impacts like rookie players yeah mike what do you think about it i i agree with you guys i think it's even a step further for even other players i mean even tom brady right who's been in the league for well, i don't know thirty five thousand years uh, mm-hmm. it's, he, he's got he, he's got to learn on where these players are going to be and how they're going to be you can't get that in practice you have to get that in live in live field. So if, if you're not understanding their timing on how those live games are, are pr- progressing, then all that is going to be a misstep. So two games is way too few. I, you know, they're, they're probably going to adjust this later on. Cause I know that they've been wanting to move it to three games and they've been talking about and talking about. So this will be sort of that kind of light test to see, okay, we did two games. How did it turn out to be? Then they'll probably decide next year, whether they're going to keep it at four or three, but far as just all the players are concerned i think it's a timing basis and it's going to affect the play going into uh the regular season so teams with more continuity are going to have a leg up on everybody else um Absolutely. yeah um I, I'm that's starting kind of to... always been the case anyway i mean bad teams don't have continuity that's just something that seems to happen yeah but i mean you do have examples of you know of that you know players being able to off-season work out their way into a uh uh, into the team being better. I'm just, one one team that's popping to mind to me that's this is going to cause some troubles with is uh, Denver. Denver has so many new weapons, and I'm starting to think if um, you know we got uh, let's see Melvin Gordon, and then they went out and got uh, Jerry Judy, who we'll talk about later. Uh, Albert O, uh, KJ Hamler. Um, there's just a lot of new weapons there in Denver for Drew Locke. Oh, got, yeah, uh, that's the other thing. Drew Locke is uh what he's is his second year. He's and he got like five starts last work, year. Yeah, and he was like a work in progress coming into the NFL. So that's going to be really interesting to see like how that affects Denver. Yeah, and Mike, what were you going to say? I was saying they also have a new offensive coordinator. Oh yeah, uh, it was Shermer, right? Right. Yeah, so that could also be a problem. So learning a whole new. Whole new situation. So keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, guys who've changed teams, um, you know, coaches in new places, new schemes. This could cause some some trouble uh, if we lose uh, some uh, preseason games and lose some preseason reps. Um, so as for other news, Dak signed his franchise tender with 
Dallas will be there for this year. Looks like they're only quibbling over years right now. The report I saw is Dak wants five, Dallas gets four. I think it's going to get done. Um, where five's like a, a completely unguaranteed, and I think that'll work out. Um, Kareem Hunt wants to stay with Cleveland. I don't think that affects much this year. Um, and then we have three best shape of their life alerts from uh, guys recovering from surgery. We got Jarvis progressing well from his hip surgery. ODB is apparently 100% following his hernia surgery. And Big Ben's elbow recovery is reportedly, quote, on track. So, guys, I got two more news items here to talk about. One, who saw the Dallas Goddard video? No, I didn't see it, but I know what happened. You guys didn't see the Dallas Goddard video? No, I refuse to watch it. Oh, okay. So, um, this is a family show, so I can't insert the clip where it goes, you got knocked the bleep out but that's pretty much what happened with dallas goddard um he was at a bar in i believe south dakota and got sucker punched got admitted to the hospital but he's gonna be okay uh my question is is does this count <laughs> does he go into concussion protocol from this because dude got knocked <laughs> all the way out from a, he got just straight sucker punched in a bar um but uh yeah i he, i mean that shouldn't affect anything for 2020 it was just a an interesting thing and i believe uh, adam schefter if you guys have ever heard of adam schefter he's kind of a smaller account on Twitter, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not. I'm not familiar. Yeah, he's a uh, he. Uh, he's just a guy who just kind of okay. makes up news. Yeah, he n- nothing he ever says is of value or important. I know, Mike. I know you have an axe to grind with Adam Schefter, so I'll stop making jokes. But the video of, of Dallas Gardner getting uh, knocked out is over there on that uh, on his Twitter feed. The big news. Hmm? I said surprisingly so. It's on there. Yeah. And um, well, I got to I got to say this then. I am kind of this how does this impact Dallas Goddard's fantasy value cuz it makes me feel like he's not a good teammate. He's not going to do well. So like I mean what what prompted someone to sucker punch him? That's what I want to know. I don't know. He was in a bar doing bar stuff. I've been, off. I've been to plenty of bars. I have never been sucker punched. You're going to the wrong bars. <laughs> uh, no, I think that means I'm going to the right bars. <laughs> I don't think so. Because the bars where you can get sucker punched are the bars where you can see somebody get sucker punched, and that's where you want to be. Yeah, I, I don't know if you know me, but I think if I went to the bars where people get sucker punched, I'd be the one getting sucker punched. You'd be get, you'd be receiving the, the punch? All right, all right. So, And then the actual bit of news is there's been some conflicting reports out of Philly um, there was one report where Jalen Rieger was just going to learn uh, basically at the feet of Deshaun Jackson this year. And then there's an Adam Kaplan report, um, who's a beat writer for the Eagles, who thinks that Rieger will lead the Eagles in touches. I'm sorry, in receptions and yardage. So what do you guys th- what do you guys think is the, the actual answer for Jalen Rieger? Is it not- all or nothing? Those are your choices. It's, uh, he's not going to be the leading receiver. That's just crazy talk. How many rookies are the leading receiver on a team that actually have good wide receivers? That's just like guys who are established veterans. I don't know, but that'll Preston that Williams. Preston Williams last year was undrafted and was leading the Dolphins. Yeah, that's no. True. I'm pretty sure that no, was, no, uh, no, no. We'll lead. I'm gonna stop you before you correct Mike because he was leading Devontae Parker before he got hurt. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to stop you before you say something <laughs> I didn't. I'm sorry. My, I'm not up on my Preston Williams knowledge. I didn't realize that he was actually – I don't remember him still, but he wasn't as good 
in those stretches is uh, Devontae Parker. Well, he he ended up getting hurt um, pretty – I think it was about halfway eight. through the year. Yeah, week eight. eight. And then yeah. that, that's what when Mike Gesicki stepped in because he became the slot guy over Preston Williams, and then Devontae Parker became the number one receiver on the team. Well, that's the best thing that ever happened to the Dolphins because they can throw to Mike Gesicki instead of Preston Williams. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not letting that settle. No, so, but I'm saying, like, even that, he was, like, he was only averaging, like, 53 yards a game. It's not like he was, like, at least Parker, I guess, I, I know, I, I'm, I'm shifting goalposts here, but Parker was still way better a receiver. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that, that's fair enough, but he's had plenty of years to be bad. <laughs> that, yeah. that, like, no, hey, Devonte Parker has burned me so much in dynasty leagues. It's not even funny. It's funny to me because he didn't burn me. Ooh, what is this? Um, so all right, let's go ahead. Let's uh move on. So Rieger, I think uh he has a shot of being the leading receiver for the Eagles. Um, wide receivers, but the only question is, is you know what does that mean? Is that a monkey paws situation? where he, um, you know, he leads him in receiving, but it's like 70 receptions. So, um, which would be a good amount for a rookie, but. Well, are you talking just straight wide receivers? Are you talking, of course, tight ends as well? No, I said wide receivers. I said, I said it multiple times specifically. So I would, so I wouldn't get, well, what about Zachary? Jeffrey still exists. That's my, no, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. He exists just fine until he gets hurt in week three. Yeah, that's that's the that's the concern. Like Alshon could get hurt, but even still, he's gonna like until he gets hurt, he's gonna be taking. Well, after Ertz, he's gonna be taking the majority of touches. I'm gonna repeat repeat my favorite thing that I've ever said on this podcast, which is uh, the time when we were doing the battle royale, and I said Alshon Jeffrey is hurt right now. Alshon Jeffrey is hurt right now. He's recovering <laughs> from a Liz Frank injury. Yeah, it's. It's it's a permanent it's a permanent situation where he's recovering from an injury. I'm a Bears fan. I know this, but I also still think. But he's also still really talented, and I love him. So, um, yeah. So he can. Um, I will take him on with my he team. Can uh, be beginning good, Alshon Jeffrey. But he, I mean, he's recovering from Liz Frank surgery. I don't think he's going to be a factor this year. I, there's a chance Actually, that he plays less than three games I, for the I, Bears. I I forgot about the the foot surgery, and with off seasons being the what they are, I'm actually more inclined to agree with you now than I was. If I hadn't forgotten that, I would because Deshaun Jackson's never been a touch guy. He's never a guy who's like getting ten targets a game. He just gets two and he scores two touchdowns on them. Yeah, that that's pretty much how it goes. Even though he was the leading target target receiver. Um, in week one last year, that was a one-game situation, I think. So, all right, let's well, uh, I mean, let's put Jaylen the. Jalen Rieger oh, is a glorified Deshaun Jackson, uh, or a, a younger J- Deshaun Jackson. I mean, I, I think it, it's it's just a toss-up. I think I, I'm I'm going to go with Jalen Rieger going to have more receptions than uh, either one of those guys. I think he will lead the team with receptions by the end of the year, just because I think he's going to be the only one man standing at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean that. It, yeah, that but could it also still wouldn't surprise me if that's not fifty. If he doesn't even hit fifty catches. Yeah, no, and I agree with you with that. Just because they're all these guys are just long distance um, dial-ups. They're not. They're not running short to intermediate routes. So the the receptions are going aren't going to be there. They're just field stretchers. So 
Ertz um, and Goder can catch the ball and do whatever they can do after that. Sorry, Jeff, I think I cut you off. What were you saying? I was saying I'm done talking about the Eagles. <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> that was a good time to ask that question. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's uh, let's kill this and um, let's go ahead and move on to the meat of today's program, which is going to be guys in new places. Now we're going to talk about two rookies each. A we each picked a wide receiver and a running back that we think are going to make some noise this year in fantasy. And we also picked a, a wild card, which was a uh, free agent or traded veteran who's going to who's in a new place this year uh, that we think is going to make some noise fantasy wise so um we started with i'm definitely not stalling to find my spreadsheet there it is all right so mike this was your idea um why don't we go ahead and start with you we kind of touched briefly on this guy's team earlier um why don't you go ahead your first guy tell us uh what you what you're thinking about him Okay, so, I mean, I hate picking out the obvious because I think that, that the obvious is already always so covered either by us or just around the Internet and the world. But it, it it's it's such the obvious that it has to be decided on and it has to be the choice, and that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, I think by far he's, he's the easiest rookie um, wide receiver or any other position as the best fit for – what we're looking at here just because the offense as we saw is so explosive in Kansas city. And then you, you throw in someone who is compared to a, an even stated better. And I don't believe it for a second, uh, Brian Westbrook kind of guy. And the only, the only thing that I kind of see as a negative with Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a lot of people are saying Damian Williams is done. And I don't see that at all. I, I honestly believe that Damian Williams is going to have some production in this offense, uh, is going to take away targets away from Hilaire, is going to take away rushing attempts away from Hilaire. But as far as just measurement, as rookies go, there there's no one co- going to come close to the production that Edwards Hilaire is going to produce out there. Okay, so uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is running back 15 off the board in half PPR leagues. He's the 30th pick overall. We're starting to get into draft season, so I'm going to try to make a point to make sure that we uh, point out where these guys are going in draft. So, uh, Mike, yeah, Mike, with that draft stock in mind, are you up? Are you still up on Alaire as running back 15 this year, going in the let's see, the middle of the third round? I guess we would say. I I. I predict him to be more in the fourth round just because I really think that Damian Williams is going to have such an effect on that offense where it's it's I, I just don't feel safe with with Edward Hilaire being chosen there now will he will he produce those kind of numbers it's it's possible but I want players that are going to return on investment and I think at that position Edward Hilaire you're going to get an even buy so if you can get him in the fir- fourth round, early maybe early in the fourth round, then you're going to get uh, some good return on investment on your on your pick. So I'm gonna so, I'm gonna jump in on this a little bit because this would have been my number one running back to pick, and I'm tell- I think by the time the NFL season starts, he's going to be going late second, early third, maybe even higher. I I'm getting like. I feel I get Kareem Hunt vibes from him as a rookie and that he's going to have the opportunity because I don't like believe in Damian Williams. Damian Williams did well last year, but that's because he was in the best offense in the NFL. 
He's still he's not as talented, and Andy Reid doesn't have problems starting rookies. I think as preseason uh, moves on, we're going to see a lot more hype going to him. He's he would have been my number one fantasy relevant running back, which I think he'd be everyone's because how could he not be in an Andy Reid offense? So I actually think that stock's going to go up, and I want as many shares of him as I can get. Yeah, Mike, how many how many touches just ballpark do you think that i mean damian williams is going to be taking or taking away from clyde edwards alaire because before you answer i want to remind you that last year 141 touches was his career high mm. so that's that's my only thing is yes he's going to take touches no running back except for a handful who are after the first round um get you know bell cow work but I, what, I, what round was he drafted in again damian williams no uh, uh, we'll lead it, no facetious questions while I'm asking Mike a real question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to point so, out he was drafted in the first round, so he's in that handful, or has the potential to be. He has the potential to be, but I'm wary putting anybody in that column before they take their first NFL snap. It, that, um, that's fair. Yeah. So, I mean, keep in mind, Damian Williams had a career high of 141 touches last year. And, I mean, he's shown time and again this will be his – seventh year in the league that he's not the type of guy to handle that bigger workload. So how many touches do you actually see Clyde Edwards Alaire getting taken away from him by Damian Williams? I'll give you the floor of 75 and the ceiling of 120. Touches taken away from CEH. Right. Okay. Um, so, I mean, where, where do you see him ending up as a, in terms of touches then? I, I think probably for CEH, probably uh, 250, uh, two, 250, 270, somewhere around there. Okay. So if you're given CEH 250 to 270 touches, he's in the top 15 touches in, in running back. So, I mean, I just, I just, I, I'm having trouble fleshing with this fourth round, fourth round selection yeah. from CEH. I'm not <laughs> quibbling with anything that you're saying. It's just the round I don't, I don't, doesn't quite flesh right. He, he was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. He was drafted there for a reason. You don't draft guys in the first round and not give them the most opportunities to succeed. That's uh, simple uh, as that. Waleed, please look up AJ Jenkins for me. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I, I mean, first round running backs, though, generally get fed. Waleed, please look up Rashad Penny and Sony. Oh, Sony Michelle got plenty of opportunity, but please look up Rashad yeah, Penny. Penny showed up as long, okay. If CEH shows up to camp fats, then I will retract everything I've said. But Penny like right away was showing, like you were getting those reports. He was coming in 20 pounds overweight. When I see that in a rookie, I instantly write them off for the rest of their NFL career. So. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, Mike, I don't disagree with saying that Damian Williams is going to have a role in this offense. I just don't know how big of a role he can actually handle. And I don't know what that means in terms of taking enough away from CEH to push him out of the third round. I, I, he, I see I see him finishing pretty much exactly where Josh Jacobs finished last year. Let's just put it that way. Oh, hold on. The, uh, let's let, where did Josh Jacobs finish last year then? Jacobs had 242 carries for 1,150 yards and seven touchdowns. He also added 20 receptions, which wasn't a lot. I think I think you're going to see probably maybe 30 more receptions out of uh, 
Edwards Hilaire. But um, other than that, then, you know, so you could probably add 15 more points on top of Jacobs total. Okay, so Jacobs had, let's see, Jacobs was running back 14 last year in half PPR, 14 points, and you said an extra 15 points on top of that. So we'll call yeah. it. We'll call it 14.8 points, which will make him a top 10, top, oh no, Nick Chubb had 14.8 last year and was number 10 in points per game. So, okay, he was, num- he was number nine because in points per game, this includes Wes Hills, who had two games. Of, what was uh, Jacob's ADP last year? I don't know. What am I, a dictionary? Or, I, uh, I, feel like, I feel like he was drafted in the second and third rounds of drafts last year. Maybe third more than second. I thought he was like a fourth rounder, so he, he might have gone earlier, which would make sense. I mean, I don't know. Damian Williams was a second round pick, so all bets are off. All right. So um, real quick, I, I just remembered I can figure out where I can find ADP data from last year. So if you gentlemen will hold on tight with me, I can tell you exactly where Josh Jacobs went. And all right, we'll do PPR because there's no half PPR on this site. Jacobs was... He was the 11th running back off the board. Um, oh, nope. That's this year. It reset my <laughs> my thing on me. I was like, that doesn't sound right. He was uh, pick 33.1 on average. So he was actually going ahead of where um, CEH is going this year. And you'll never guess who was going one pick ahead of him on average. Jimmy Williams. David Montgomery. <laughs> Or Montgomery. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was that's that's not good ADP. No, Damian Williams is going at pick twenty five, so the first pick of the third round. Yeah, not good. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. So, all right. So we got Ceh out of the way. Um, Waleed, we'll move on to you. If you want to stick with running backs, we could do that. So where does that put him as far as what I was saying as points? Are you say RB thirteen? Yeah, somewhere in that range. Top fifteen running back. So that that's what about. That's what third round, give or take. I mean, top fifteen, I would probably take in the second round. Okay. And yeah. where is he going now? Third, middle of the third. Middle of the third. Okay. So, all right. So then, I would say that's probably good a good buy. Yeah, I mean, it depends on where you draft too, because Ceh is off the board before the end of the second on Yahoo, which is where I've been doing my mock draft. So, depends yeah, on. Second round. I see. Yeah, that I'm not taking him there. Nope. If um, here's my thought, if you at any point last year said, I'm not saying you specifically, but if at any point last year you countenanced or thought of Damian Williams in the second round as a good pick, which is where he was for a long time, you can't speak against CEH, period. Damian Williams is nowhere near as good as CEH was. And all the chatter and everything was talking about the offense, his role in the offense and his opportunity. And during all of that, CEH had first Carlos Hyde there to take touches away. And then he had LaShawn McCoy to take touches away. And this is all while it's if you at any point believe Damian Williams to be a second round pick last year, you have to believe the same of CEH this year. That's flat. Oh, yeah. He's if not higher, because as you mentioned, CEH is a far better athlete than Damian Williams is. Yeah. So, okay. So let's go ahead and move on to the next uh, one. We'll go. We'll stick with rookie running backs. And the lead you wanted to talk about. DeAndre Swift with yeah, the Detroit Lions. 
I think DeAndre Swift is in one of the best positions of the rookie running backs. Uh, he was the third pick in the second round. I believe he was the second running back taken overall. And his only real competition is on Johnson, which means by week three, Swift will be the starter and Johnson will be on IR. That's just what's going to happen. He's a, he's also a three-down back who he might not be the best blocker, but he's not a liability either. He's got soft hands, which all of that gives him a chance to be there on the field because anyone who you can't take off the field is always going to be better for your offense. He's got he's got a good work ethic. Uh, he's just the type of player I love. The only thing that really is working against him is that he plays under Detroit Lions. Well, yeah, and the Lions they they didn't run as much as I thought they did last year. They were in the bottom half in rush in rush attempts. I believe they were seventeenth. So it was you know calling it bottom half is a little uh, little hinky, but. Um, but yeah, uh, Swift, I did his, uh, player profile this week and carry on Johnson has never played more than 50% of snaps in five straight games or in six straight games. Yeah. Um, every time he gets more than 50% of, of snaps, he snaps. And, um, so, <laughs> so I'm, um, I'm contesting your, your, um, assertion that carry on Johnson's going on IR after week three, it's going to be after week five. Um, maybe week six, depending on where the Lions have their bye week. But um, but Mike was right. Uh, Carrion doesn't have being a bell cow in him. He's broken after getting more than half the snaps twice in two years. So he's off my uh, my potential bell cow list. I don't love him anymore. Yeah, I always I was a fan of Carrion too. But if you can't stay on the field, it's hard to trust you. And I would say. I'd be curious. They were in the bottom half of rushing, but I wonder how much of that was, uh, how how much that shifted after Johnson got hurt. Like, was that a consistent thing? I, I feel like they tried to run the ball more at the beginning of the season, but then things just kind of fell apart for them. Yeah, I mean, I remember they gave Bo Scarborough a lot of carries when he when he was playing, and I think it was just a uh, possibly a. Well, I guess we're going to have to throw more. Oh, shoot, Matt Stafford got hurt. I guess we have to run more. Oh, no, it's 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 Bo Scarborough. Oh, we'll throw it. Oh, no, it's David Blau. Which which is why Swift was drafted. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I forgot to say David or DeAndre Swift, uh, pick 74 off the board, um, running back 28 overall. So uh, much better value than CEH in terms of where he's going in the draft. Mike, what do you think about uh, what DeAndre Swift might do this year? So I, I, I agree with Walid. I think he's he's probably going to be the bell cow somewhere somewhere along the line. Two two negative aspects that, that DeAndre Swift carries is he has a little bit of Chris Carsonitis with him, meaning he fumbles the ball way too often. Secondly, he is I I I think that um oh what's his name uh, Scarborough is probably going to be the goal line back there. Uh, which means that Swift won't be active near the end zone. Uh, so I think those two things, we'll see what preseason goes. You know, if obviously if Swift is active and in the goal line, then that's you know all for naught. But I do think Scarborough is probably going to be the guy down there and watch for his fumbles. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm big on DeAndre Swift this year. I'm not as big as I am on CEH, but I think there's a class of rookies that are going to come in and kind of supplant their the guys in front of them. I do put Swift in that class. I also put Jonathan Taylor and uh, J.K. Dobbins in that group as guys that are going to start the year behind another guy, and then they'll supplant the, the running back ahead of them. Um, so, uh, so I do like him as a draft and stash. I'm not expecting much out of him in the first quarter of the season, but I do like... 
uh, having him there for, um, I mean, the price is a little high for a guy you can't use for 25% of the year, but um, that's kind of the, the, the price of admission, I think, is uh, running back 28 on DeAndre Swift for a guy of his upside. So from Swift to another running back who went in the second round, actually, as well as uh, DeAndre Swift, he went um, with the 20th pick in the second round. So he went uh, 17 picks after Swift. And it is, by the way, this is, I put Jonathan Taylor aside because I didn't want to have a big, long discussion with Mike. I now disagree with Mike. I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to supplant Marlon Mack. So take that, Mike. But <laughs> that's not the guy that I want to talk about. The guy I want to talk about is Cam. I assume that's short for Cameron Akers. So Cam Akers is the new running back for the uh, Los Angeles Rams, replacing Todd Gurley. He's going the running back before DeAndre Swift, actually. He's going pick 71 off the board, running back 27. And... um. I really liked Cam Akers coming out of college. Um, I would say, I said, if pass protection wasn't a thing, Akers would step in as an every down back. Um, I think it will cost him some reps, but it wasn't like Daryl Henderson was that great at pass blocking the limited opportunities he had last year. Um, he has uh, good, good cuts, uh, good short area quickness. Um, he's very athletic and has good awareness, but he doesn't have a top end speed. So I li- there's a lot of running backs in this class that are like that, where they're likely to pop off a lot of 25 yard runs where they get caught. You know, they get somebody catches up with them and ankle tackles them. There's very few Nick Chubb, uh, Derrick Henry home run hitters out there. Um, I mean, there's very few Derrick Henry home run hitters um, in the NFL. Um, since since he's entered the league, he has more rushing or 50 plus yard rushing touchdowns than um, I think it was seven teams when I looked it up. So if you're looking for guys that can hit home runs on every play, there's very few of them. Um, but Cam Akers is as good as any to get 25 yards on a play. I, I like him a lot, um, especially more than Daryl Henderson, who I think is uh, is doo doo. I don't think he's very good. He was the first pick that the Rams made this year. So the Rams traded their first round pick because they are bad at running their team. And um, he was the their very first pick that the Rams took this year was a running back to, in my mind, replace Todd Gurley. So the Rams are, are I think they're spending this year cleaning up some bad calls they made. They traded Brandon Cooks. They cut Todd Gurley. I think this is an indication that they don't believe in Daryl Henderson and they're going to turn the ball over to Cam Akers. Now, turn, if they turn the ball over to Cam Akers, I think that Todd Gurley's season from last year is a good template for opportunity. Todd Gurley sucked last year. He was not good. He had his worst yards per reception of his career at 4.2, his worst, worst catch rate. If you take out the weird 2016 where everybody sucked because of Jeff Fisher, he had his lowest yards per carry at 3.8. Still, after all of this, 71 yards. 14 touchdowns or 71 yards per game and 14 touchdowns in 15 games. So he had 254 touches, which was um, like I, we were talking about with CEH put him 19 guys had at least 250 touches. So that puts him in, in a good class of running back and he can't be worse than Todd Gurley was last year out of backs of 250 carries Todd Gurley or touches Todd Gurley was one of four guys who had a yards per touch under 4.2, which puts him alongside Le'Veon Bell, Sony Michelle, and will lead cover your ears. David Montgomery. Really? <laughs> he had a lower yards per touch than Hyde, Carlos Hyde and Marlon Mack, both of which have either been transferred to new teams or replaced. I think that 
Cam Akers is stepping into the best opportunity of any running back in this class. Pure opportunity. Yeah. And Todd Gurley sucked last year when he was handed that same opportunity. He still ended up as running back 14. So I am all in on Cam Akers. I'm getting him in every single draft. He's my running. He's my third running back at worst in every draft. Sometimes he's my second running back. I don't feel as easy about those drafts, but he is my third running back in every single draft that I have because I fully believe that Daryl Henderson's time, the, the Rams are acknowledging the mistake they made with Daryl Henderson and they're moving on from him. I actually 100% agree with that analysis. The only thing I will say is if I'm drafting Cam Akers, I'm also drafting Daryl Henderson because that's one of those things where you think they got like in situations like that, he's still only a, a third year running back. And I 100% agree with your assessment. But I remember when uh, in Atlanta, when who is it that they drafted the year after uh, oh, Tevin Coleman? When they drafted Tevin Coleman, everyone was all about Tevin Coleman taking over. And then Devontae Freeman just came in there and blew up. Like, I feel like that's one of those where you want to just cover your basis on that. Because I think one of those guys will be a workhorse. Most likely it's going to be Cam. But if you get Cam, you also want to make sure you have yourself protected. I know one guy who is in on Devonta Freeman over Tevin Coleman. So I'm just saying. I know one guy who, who didn't fall for the Tevin Coleman hype. Uh, but I, I loved Tevin Coleman when he was coming out of college. I thought he was going to be a stud, and I thought he'd be amazing in that offense. I thought he was handpicked, and I was wrong. <laughs> and now he's the third or fourth best running back on the 49ers, depending on how Derek McKinnon recovers. So uh, you recommended drafting Daryl Henderson if you get Cam Akers. Uh, he's running back 41, pick 105 off the board. I mean, sure, there's guys in that range I'd rather take a take a flyer on. Um, J.K. Dobbins is going at 109. Marvin Jones, 106, uh, wide receiver. It's one of the best value picks in the whole um, draft right now. So um, I would maybe stay away from that Daryl Henderson thing. If I'm wrong about Cam Akers, you know, being right about Daryl Henderson, I don't think we'll fix that um because my team has bigger problems <laughs> I, I think the the one thing that is definitely standing in the way of acres is that offensive line they didn't do anything in the offseason to improve it and as far as running backs go the offensive line is so crucial um that i mean even if curly doesn't do well i i you know i don't know if acres is going to be much better well my more of my point was that with everything that todd Gurley was dealing with um, including which included that offensive line, he was still running back 14 last year because, it, you know, being given the opportunities that Todd Gurley had, if those opportunities go to Cam Akers, who is a... But a, young, a lot of that was touchdowns. Gurley had, what, 14 touchdowns? 14 touchdowns. He also was one of the league leaders in um, red zone, or sorry, goal line and, and five zone and in touches last year. Right, exactly. So hopefully Akers can, I mean, to match 14 touchdowns is going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah, but I also think that it, he'll I think, be. I think he'll be better on a per touch basis than Todd Gurley as well, which will offset that. But I think Mike's also got it right in the fact that uh, it's going to be uh, what's the word I'm thinking of here? It's a lot of it's going to depend on how that offensive line comes together. Because if they regress even more, that'll be a that'll be problematic regardless of who your running back is. Yeah. So yep. yeah. So Todd Gurley. Uh, I mean, Todd Gurley had uh, twelve. Uh, five zone carries last year, um, which he turned into six touchdowns. But 
yeah, I, I think that 12 is not a bad call for Cam Akers down there at the goal line. I mean, that's the same as like Sony Michelle got 12, Frank Gore got 11, Josh Jacobs had 10. So it's not a crazy amount of carries um, to have. Derrick Henry only had 10, which is shocking to me. Which he turned into seven touchdowns, which tells you what kind of a battering ram Todd Gr- or uh, Derrick Henry is. 70% yeah. of his carries at five yards are in turned into touchdowns. If I could just draft him after week nine. Yeah. That's, You're right. That's, exactly. <laughs> that's the only thing. So, um, so okay. So, Cam Akers, um, the, we, we cleaned up the rookie running backs here. So, um, Mike, we're back to you. We can go to rookie wide receivers or we could go to guys that change teams. It's up to you where you want to go from here. Um, let's just stay with, with rookies. Uh, and my wide receiver dude, I think is, is as much as you see Cam Akers, um, I see in this wide receiver and Jerry Judy. And a lot of that has to do with the fact of how the Denver Broncos are going to want to format their offense. They're going to be throwing the ball quite a bit. They're going to be utilizing three to four receivers, and Jerry Judy is going to be sort of the safety blanket. So I think Drew Locke is going to lock on Jerry Judy quite a bit, which means bad news for No Fant and K.J. Hamler and those kind of guys, and Cortland Sutton as well. A lot of people are very high on Sutton. I, I just don't see that offense working in his favor. I, I see Cortland Sutton as someone that is a deep receiver who's going to get limited receptions because he's going deep from the most part. Uh, I see maybe five touchdowns, but in a PPR league, I, I want Judy all the way. Okay. Um, so I don't think I have a quibble with Jerry Judy, who is going as wide receiver 44 on number 115 off the board. Um, at that price, I don't see a big a big problem with that. Uh, Waleed, what do you think about Jerry Judy? All right. Thank you, Waleed. <laughs> I think a lot of F-bombs went off right there. Yeah, yeah really. He must, he must really hate uh, he must really hate Jerry Judy. Um, so I was trying to see real quick I, about um, Cortland Sutton. My phone was muted. I didn't even yeah. realize. Yeah, um, really. I like Jerry Judy, but I like him long term. This year, I actually, my problem with him is there's so much chaos in that offense right now. So many changes with the second year uh, quarterback and new offensive coordinator, shortened offseason. And I like him long term. But I don't see him. I just I, I don't like his. I don't like him uh, as a rookie. I think there's a lot going against him. Okay. So you you and Mike are looking at the same situations, but seeing it from different angles. Mike, I think this all comes down to you guys disbelieving or believing in Cortland Sutton. Is that and right? And I love Cortland Sutton. That's the honest to God truth. I, I also like Fant. I honestly think at best uh, Judy ends up the uh, third receiver on that team, which seems like a reasonable spot, but also with Melvin Gordon and uh, who's that little running back? I'm drawing a blank on. Uh, Lindsay. Lindsay. Yeah. I, I think there's so many opportunities in like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of skill position talent in that offense that only, and that only hurts Jerry Judy's opportunities because there's so much talent. Yeah. I mean, that's fair enough. And, um, 
I wanted to just point out, Mike, you point you said Cortland Sutton is more of a downfield threat. We did actually see that in Drew Locke's first game. It was his ninth NFL pass was a beautiful bucket throw um, to Cortland Sutton for a touchdown. Um, but he, I don't think he goes as deep as it would seem. Um, I looked up his average depth of target. It's 11.9, which is, it's high. I mean, it's, it's higher than, um, I expected. I thought it was going to be somewhere around 10, five, but, um, I mean, it's le- lower than guys like Adam Thielen, Michael Gallup, um, guys we don't really think of as deep threats more as number one wide receivers. Marvin Jones was 13.1. He's more of a deep threat. Uh, guy yeah. than that but um yeah, but like he's a more intermediate guy who really like eats yeah up chunks that's what i was gonna say he's more of an intermediate guy he had a lower uh yards per target or i'm sorry average depth of target than like aj brown who i think of as a slant and go guy um in the oh, that classic odell beckham mold um but i don't know i just i just don't i think a lot of the discussion around the denver broncos no matter who you're talking about centers around how you believe in Cortland sutton because Mike, you don't believe in Cortland Sutton, which is fair. And I, and I, when, when you're just bringing up those stats, now I believe in him even less. Because oh, no. if if he's not catching more passes um, and running more intermediate routes, that means that he has a lot of problems either with a getting open or b running those routes. Well, um, or or c they're stretching the field with Hamler and Fant down the seam. I would also say a lot of it depends on how much you believe in Locke, and I'm not sure I do. Right, and that that's why I think that uh, Judy makes such a great play is because I think they're going to do a lot of short thing intermediate passing. and. But I think that also benefits running backs and fans more. Of course, and I, I think in what you're saying is true. So it's I, to me, it's either going to come down to a tight end running back situation or it's going to be judy uh so i mean we'll find out but i'm 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 going to lean more in my hand towards a wide receiver than a tight end running back okay that's that's fair enough we're talking about wide receivers so yeah so mike mike really believes in jerry judy um waleed and i are believers in Cortland sutton which kind of downgrades jerry judy to us but at 115 overall wide receiver 44 i mean you're talking He's going around guys like, uh, let's see, uh, Tevin Coleman, who we uh, disparaged, the Pittsburgh Steelers DST. So it's it's that kind of uh, uh, late round dart throw that if you're right, you can hit yeah. big on. Yeah, at um, his ADP, he's got he's got tremendous upside, and there's no doubt that he's got the talent to pay off on that upside. Yeah. Uh, on pure ADP, I would I understand it, but I'd also have to see who was there, and he's not. I don't know that he's going to be the guy I love at that spot all right so um mike we will see how this um Cortland sutton versus uh jerry judy debate plays out in um in 2020 so we'll lead why don't we go ahead we'll switch over to you and uh your rookie rookie wide receiver that you want to talk about which is justin jefferson out of lsu and now on the minnesota vikings uh, he's oh sorry what was that Oh, I just said Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Not, Nothing, not of value. <laughs> Nothing of value. Nothing of value. The thing with uh, Justin Jefferson, he's not he's not one of the top three guys. He's not CeeDee Lamb. He's not Henry Ruggs. He's not he's not Judy. Um, he's that next echelon. But I actually, I think he might be in the best position to be productive right away. Uh, I'm all about opportunity when I'm drafting rookies. And Justin Jefferson, 
with Stefan Diggs being traded to Buffalo, the Vikings depth chart at wide receiver is terrible after Adam Thielen. Uh, Jefferson, meanwhile, was part of the greatest offense in NCAA history. 2018, he was LSU's leading receiver in, when he was playing on the outside. In 2019, he was dominant in the slot. The only concern uh, is the obvious downgrade from Joe Burrow to Kirk Cousins. That's really it for me. I mean, with Kubiak as an offensive coordinator, I like his opportunity. I think he's a talented guy. And I I think at his ADP, he could pay off big. Yeah, and um, Justin Jefferson... His uh, ADP is, I'm sorry, I screwed up there. His uh, ADP is that he's going, he's not even the first Justin drafted. Justin Tucker goes ahead of him. Wow. <laughs> well, Justin Tucker, he's the GOAT, so that's one thing. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I might hate kickers, but I love Justin Tucker. <laughs> yeah, so Justin Jefferson, wide receiver 55, uh, 145 off the board. And to be honest with you, Waleed, it's hard to find a quibble in, in, in what you're saying. But um, I'm sure Mike will figure out a way. <laughs> I might figure out something there. Um, well, I think Quellevin is probably not too far off the line with Adam Thielen. Uh, so it, I think both of them can both play the slot and the wing. It's, and I think that's one of the reasons why you'll see Jefferson so low is because we don't know if if Jefferson is going to be more a slot guy or a wing guy. And if he's more wing than slot, and with Kirk Cousins's weak arm, then that's going to really put some damage and effect to Jefferson. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think Jefferson, yeah, he'll have, he'll have plenty of opportunity. He'll have plenty of targets, plenty of touches. Like we've said, he can work all around the formation and he has a great opportunity to produce. And given his price, it's a uh, pretty, pretty easy to, uh, to snatch him up there at, at um, going after, like I said, he's going after kickers. He's going after Justin Tucker. So, yeah, he's a total dart throw, which is good. I mean, I, I I love his value. I think in that offense, um, and the way he can catch passes, he caught almost 83% of his targets. So the dude is is uh, you know a, a suction cup when it comes to passes. Yeah, but but what Mike, watch this. Well, lead you won't have uh, you won't have Justin Jefferson anywhere because he's going at pick 145. You know, he's going at pick 144. Who is that? Anthony Miller. Oh, yeah, I'm taking Anthony Miller. Over yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, no, uh, I would because I actually think I'll take Anthony Miller like probably a round or two earlier than that, because his quarter, his last quarter of the season, he, he was starting to come on. I like third year guys. And I think and I still think he was one of the most talented receivers in that draft class. So uh, I just have to hope that Nick Foles is better than Mitchell Trubisky, which is very hard to feel good about. <laughs> That's a low bar to clear, and I'm not sure. It's, if not, it's, yeah, it's it. not the best bar. Yeah, I'm not sure if he pulls it off. So, all right. So, my guy, my my rookie wide receiver. Let's let's keep rolling. It is, of course, you guys. Who did? Of course, guys. You guys tell me who did the Oakland Raiders draft this year, huh? Who, who would get this? Who would get this wrong? <laughs> it's Henry. It's it's Henry Hank Ruggs the third, and I'm gonna start calling him Hank Ruggs from now on. So Henry Ruggs, pick 141 off the board, wide receiver 52, first wide receiver taken in this draft. Um, the easy comp is that he's the next Deshaun Jackson, six foot 190, and fast as all get out. Um, in in college at Bama, they used him constantly to just clear out the rest of the the offense. Um, for Jerry Judy to work underneath. Uh, he had a, a, a lot of gravity on the field. He would sometimes have um, 
you know, two or three guys trying to contain him because um, he just when he gets the football, if you give him an inch, he can take it all the way. He take takes it to the mile, takes it the full mile. Um, he's good. I like him at the point of the catch on deep balls, and he can take a slant to the house on any given play. Um, early on in the process, he wasn't really seen as a top. 15 pick he was more seen in the in the in the 20s but he had a good combine and ended up getting um in the in the top uh he went 12th i said he was going to go in the teens and i was wrong technically he did not go in the teens um but i think that he is going to a situation where he can really thrive and really eat Derek carr eighth in the league uh with over 4,000 passing yards um ninth in average depth of target i'm sorry in average yards per attempt um, ahead of guys like Breeze, Rivers, uh, L. Jacks, and Deshaun Watson. Um, Derek Carr had a one of the top um, true quarterback ratings uh, last year, which gets rid of throwaways and drops. I believe he was top seven in that. And here's my question. You got Darren Waller. Are you really going to be giving targets to Tyrell Williams over Henry Ruggs? Are you going to give quality targets to uh, Hunter Renfro over Henry Ruggs? Are you going to give him to who else? Out there? Brian Edwards, maybe. I think Brian Edwards is going to redshirt his, his first year in the, in the NFL because of his foot. That's the only kink in the conk is a fellow rookie, Brian Edwards, who actually had, I think, top six, seven, eight, somewhere in there uh, before his foot injury uh, they found at the combine. So um, there's just so, no one else there. So you don't love Nelson Aguilar? Nobody should love Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> I, I think you're forgetting. It was, uh, was Keelan Doss, the rookie, uh, the hard knocks sensation was that yep. who that was mm-hmm. yeah sure. how did oh, how, I, I didn't even say jones is on that team <laughs> yeah. yeah that was gonna be one of my one of my points was i was gonna say let's just look at some of the guys who got footballs from <laughs> oh my god Derek Carr last the year oakland raiders depth chart is where wide receivers go to die yeah we got zay jones on that depth chart we got nelson aguilar on the depth chart keelan doss marcel aitman J.J. Nelson caught passes from Derek well, Carr last year. A lot of names people kept trying to convince me were good five years ago. I love J.J. Nelson. He's so bad. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, I think there's just there's just not much else there. And I think Darren Waller is not going to get 117 targets again. That's just I, – I, I, I think that that was a – a move of necessity rather of desire. And um, with Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, and uh, Lynn Bowden, I think some of that desire of going towards Darren Waller has shifted. And I think a lot of that is shifting towards Henry Ruggs. So he's a good late dart throw um, at wide receiver. And um, we'll just... Uh, Can Carr get him the ball, though? Derek Carr is... I don't know why he's not used. He's got one of the prettiest deep balls, but they don't throw it... But for some reason, Gruden hasn't been throwing it downfield. I'm going to assume it's because he hasn't had a uh, good old Hank on his team. Because I feel like that Derek Carr-Henry uh, Ruggs combination could be deadly. There you go. Willie answered my question... Or answered the question for me. So I'm a, I'm a Derek Carr truther, so... Derek Carr truther. So, all right, let's keep this ball rolling on to we're going to switch gears away from rookies, but it is going to be guys in new places. These are guys who were traded, veterans who were traded or who um, signed in free agency uh, who we think are going to have big fantasy impact this year. So, Mike, you mentioned him earlier being 45,000 years old. He's a man who some people call him the goat. I say you can't be the goat if you're afraid of strawberries and eggplant, but that's Tom. 
Tom quote Tom terrific Thomas Brady going quarterback twelve off the board number ninety three overall. So why don't you talk about Tom Brady a little bit? You think he's a good uh, a good guy to have on your team this year? Yeah, uh, and I hate Tom Brady um, ever since he came and played for the Patriots. And he can never be the goat. Uh, not only because his weird taste in food, but because he played for the Patriots and because there's a guy named Peyton Manning. So other than that, um, I, I like Tom Brady more now that he's on the Buccaneers, but he open kisses his son. So, you know, I just I just don't yeah, he does. ever be happy with this guy. With all that said, with all those flaws, uh, he is definitely one of the greatest of all time. And he's going to be playing in an offensive system that is going to really showcase his 42-year-old arm that's probably more like 32, uh, has great wide receivers, Mike Evans, uh, Curtis Godwin. They have a variety of uh, running backs uh, that are going to help him out quite a bit. And then, of course, you have Rob Gronkowski. I, I do see shades of Tom Brady and Mike Evans as in shades of Tom Brady and Randy Moss. I, I think that... That's going to happen quite a bit. I, I think Evans is probably going to be probably like 14 touchdowns this year. So enjoy enjoy uh, that offense. And I think Tom Brady's going to be really, really happy if he can not get injured, which he never seems to, outside that freaky ACL uh, injury, he's never really been hurt. Okay. I My only thing with Tom Brady and Walid, I'd, I'd like you to speak on this as well. It's his price. I think going 93 um, there's guys that have better price, like Matthew Stafford's going 104. I'd rather have Matthew Stafford, um, but he does have the best weapons he's had possibly ever. I would probably say ever. Oh yeah, um, okay. easily, easily. Yeah. yeah. So and, I have I have a few issues, and price is a big one. But he hasn't been a QB one since 2017. He's over 40 years old. His arm strength isn't there, and Bruce Arians runs it like a deep route offense. Like it's it's he's uh I mean it's a Corral system, isn't it? Like uh about the big passes downfield. He's got talented wide receivers. Brady can get is, it up there. Brady can huh? get it up there. He can he he's good. I mean I know I, I know I he's old, think, but. He does I, have that arm strength. I think if he, th- if he might start well into first quarter of the season throwing it, but I think age will catch up to him, and I think he's a guy who will drop off on you in your fantasy playoffs. I want nothing to do with Tom Brady. I might be wrong, but I'd rather be – I'd rather – I like to adhere to the philosophy. I'd rather, like, be a year too early than a year too late, and right now we're already two, three years too late. So I can't trust him. I, I, I think – I, I hear you. I do. Um, the only thing I, I would say that might alleviate that situation as far as down the line this season is that he's not going to be in the in the cold uh, of New England, that Tampa Bay is going to be pretty warm for him all year. Uh, so I think that will alleviate some of that stress of, of later down the year where his arm starts to give out as much as probably it would in New England. It won't in Tampa Bay. We've seen Drew Brees drop off, uh, who's younger, and he plays in a dome. So I'm not 100 percent sure I'm convinced of that. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I know, I know, I don't know if there are less strawberries in Florida, but I just he hasn't done enough in the last two years. He's he's one of the greatest football players of all time. But the last couple of years, from a fantasy football standpoint, you could have done better. You could have streamed quarterbacks and gotten better production. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to do a top 100 pick 
for a guy, regardless of whether he has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who I both love, but I don't love as much now because Tom Brady's their quarterback. So, Oh, boy. Do I have news for you guys? This is breaking news. Are you guys ready for it? Tom Brady tore his ACL? No. The Florida Strawberry Festival takes place annually in Plant City, Florida, which is a suburb of Tampa. So this now I'm not even sure he's going to make it to week one. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's 20. The, the festival is 20 miles outside of, of, of Tampa. Um, well, let's see how far it is from the stadium. Hold on. Boys, I got bad news. Uh-oh. It's the same distance. I'm just kidding. So... <laughs> So yeah, that I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said about Tom Brady this year. He's going in that range of guys where um, it's kind of a pick your poison sort of deal. Where you know, Mike, you'd rather have Brady. I'd rather have Stafford. Lead. Who would you rather have? Like, let's see who's going in that range, uh, that QB twelve range. You got uh, Carson Wentz is going the pick before him. Uh, Aaron nope. Rodgers QB ten. Aaron Rodgers is QB ten. I'd rather take him honestly. Ooh, nah. I know he's older, but I actually think second year in this offense, he's got a better chance of breaking out. But at the same time, I'll probably have taken a quarterback before then because I actually like taking quarterbacks a little bit earlier than the consensus. Wow, look at this guy. He thinks he's better than us at getting quarterbacks. <laughs> I, I, uh, either get, I either get quarterbacks in the top like, six range or in the 14 range and below. <laughs> That's just how I do. And then I'll take two of them and hope one of them like upside guys flip i don't generally like in that 8 to 12 range i feel like at that point my options can be better i don't know that's just how i feel okay all right sounds good so let's go ahead we'll move on to the next guy who changed teams and uh we'll lead this one is going to you um you wanted to talk about stefan diggs who you said that i left for you and um real quick before you uh, start to say your piece. Just wanted to say, Stefan Diggs is going. Um, oh my gosh! Sorry guys, my computer just locked up on me. There we go. Uh, wide receiver 25, number 57 overall. So um, Diggs is going to be not a premium pick, but a very high um, pick in your league. So wh- why don't you go ahead and talk about him, Malik? Uh, it's very simple. Last year, Buffalo was a top 10 rushing offense, but they were bottom 10 uh, passing offense in 2019. Now, uh, Diggs gives the Bills a bona fide number one wide receiver. Uh, and in the, over the last three years, Diggs has been a wide receiver, too, in any format, top 24. You might not be getting, like, great value, but he's got upside. He can His floor for where you're going to draft him is perfect. Uh, assuming he stays consistent. And honestly, if Josh Allen in entering his third year can make the same leap that he made from his rookie campaign to his second season, I think that Bill's offense could be explosive. Uh, I think Stefan Diggs has always been one of the more consistent receivers in the NFL. And I'm just a fan. All right, Mike, your rebuttal. I like Stefan Diggs. I just don't, I think he's more talented than John Brown, but I don't know if it's, going to be such a great difference that when Josh Allen is having the ball and he sees one or the other open, he's not going to choose one or the other. I think they both are going to end up cannibalizing each other. And I think think Diggs actually has the opportunity to draw coverage and open up that offense, which in turn will force teams to kind of like 
when they have to readjust. Diggs has always been a guy who's had like two two guys on him, and he's always produced. I don't think that he's going to be covered more in Buffalo than he was in Minnesota. Because I mean, a lot of times that coverage rolled either to Diggs or to Thielen, and then whoever wasn't kind of like cannibals. But even even when he when he's got guys on him, I don't know. I just Diggs is good. He's just a really good football player. That he is, and I'm I'm tend to agree with uh, Waleed on this one. I'm leaning towards getting Stefan Diggs where I can. In Yahoo leagues, he's going in like the seventh round, which is absurd. It's the second most absurd thing um, in uh, Yahoo drafts. The first being that Brandon Cooks is like a tenth round pick, which is insane to me. That's so uh, dumb. That's well, so dumb. See, I I'd rather go. I mean, I'm not saying I draft John Brown now, but I would probably in, in a dark throw situation take John Brown. And watch Diggs, uh, watch the difference between the points between Diggs and, and Brown be uh, just close enough to where it's, it's a, it won't matter. It's like, not going to be, though. Historically speaking, Brown is a very streaky player. He always has been. And I, I don't see that changing. He's, he's too boomer bust. At least Diggs is consistent. I, I'm just talking point-wise. At the end of the year, you're going to see both of them probably it's close to points um, together. And but, but the difference is that, like, you even if they're semi-close, it makes a difference when, like, for, uh, a lot of those points come in four weeks for that. But those other, like, eight weeks or – I can't do math uh, – 12 weeks, he's <laughs> doing, like, two or three points. That's what Josh, that's what John Brown does, and you don't want that. You need I, I a guy think, who at least has a high floor. And I don't think Diggs is going to be consistent either. I think Diggs is going to be just as streaky. His, history says that you're wrong. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, with the Minnesota Viking offense. I mean, so now they're going to Buffalo with John a- Josh Allen, who's inconsistent. Do you think Josh Allen's a better quarterback than uh, Kirk Cousins? Like, How would you rate them, I guess, is my question. I think it depends on how you're you're looking at. It. If if I want someone that's going to throw the deep ball, then I'm going to want Josh Allen. If I want someone that's accurate, then I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins. Okay, but I think uh, uh, deep catches are one of Diggs' strengths. So I actually think he's going to have better opportunity to like blow up because he. I've seen I've seen because I'm in the NFC North as a Bears fan. I've seen so many games where just balls are not like Diggs blows past someone and just doesn't and the ball misses. I think I think Allen has a good chance of like rectifying that. Okay. Well, well why don't we just put it this way? Out of all the weeks, let's just say who's I think 16 weeks, I think you're going to see like say 9 9 weeks go to Diggs and 7 weeks go to Brown. I think it's going to be a much higher number, but I think it's going to be more 12 and four. We'll see. Let, let's put it down. I'll put it down as a, as a wager. We'll All see. right. Yeah. I'm, I'm down. I was about to propose a wager because, you know, might as well. If we're going to, if we're going to ask, we're going to bet. Exactly. All right. Let's, uh, let's cut that off. I let you guys just speak your piece. So we're going to talk about the last guy we're going to talk about today. And that would be a player who was traded from the Baltimore Ravens where he was, overshadowed by Mark Andrews last year to a team in the Atlanta Falcons who lost Austin Hooper last year. And of course I'm talking about Mr. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is pick 120 off the board tight and 13 overall. So he's not even going as a starter in leagues. 
And uh, I took a look at uh, Austin Hooper's opportunity last year. So 97 targets, which was a 15.9% target per snap, which was fourth among tight ends. And every two out of every three times he was on the field, he ran a route. So he's not out there blocking a whole bunch. Um, his yards per target is 8.1. And um, that compares to Hayden Hurst, who actually had a yards per target of 8.7. And um, I just think that Hayden Hurst is stepping into a great opportunity as vacated by Austin Hooper in this offense. There's not a lot to say there other than just look at this opportunity. Hurst has a higher yards per target. He actually has an almost identical uh, yard or fantasy points per target where Hurst is 1.92 and Hooper was 1.96. So, Athletically, physically, they're not too different. Hurst was, I believe, a second-round pick. Mistake, correct me if I'm wrong. He might have been a first-rounder. I'm not sure. But he was a very... Uh, second-rounder. He was a second-rounder. That's what I thought. He was a premium pick, and I just think that he is in line to pick up a lot of targets, a lot of opportunity that Austin Hooper left on the field. And um, he's going as um, an incredible value right now. Well, he and, went before Andrews did uh, yes. in, in the draft. So that, you know, there you go. Yeah, that was that was um, I was trying to decide if I was going to have that be my hammer or not, because I remember he was the first tight end they took um, ahead of um Mark Andrews in that draft and everybody was Nick Boyle in that draft too. Cause I remember everybody complaining that they had too many tight ends. I don't know. I think Boyle was already there. Yeah. I think everybody being like, well, what about Nick Boyle? <laughs> because Boyle was, I think had a, had last couple of weeks that season. He looked, he looked pretty good. So they're like, okay, well you already have a guy that's looking pretty good. And then you go and add two tight ends. That doesn't make any sense. But. Yeah. What do you, what are you guys doing? All right, so I need to uh, discuss this Hayden Hurst problem because because he's going to be a problem for opposing. He, he, no, he, he's a problem. He's a problem for the Atlanta Falcons because let's see, he's entering his third season, mm-hmm. but he is yet to show any real NFL playmaking ability. Like I, I don't know that Hurst has really shown anything in the NFL to prove that he's trustworthy. He's replacing Austin Hooper, who, as far as I'm concerned, has barely been fantasy relevant in Atlanta, and who was what? a much better and more proven uh, guy than her. What? He's, he's just a guy. Like, last year he was fine, but for the most part, I've owned Austin Hooper in Dynasty Leagues, and all he's done is frustrate me. He, well, here's are you frustrated with a top number, 10 tight end? Three, the biggest thing, he's a tight end. Tight ends can't help unless you're one of the top Oh, so, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm throwing I, you off the show. I'm, I'm wrong about <laughs> tight ends being terrible? No, he's he terrible. The, he's he, a tight end. Do you want a complete list of players who scored more fantasy points per uh, per game than Austin Hooper last year? The tight ends. Oh, I know, I know, he had a good year last year, but what about the last two, the two previous years? Is what I would say. Last year was his best year, I think. Yeah, he was a tight end three last year, and then he was a top twelve tight end the year before. He's a startable tight end. I don't know what you're doing to me. You're killing me, Waleed. If he frustrated you before, wait until he's, his performances with the Browns. You're going to be really angry. Yeah, you're going to be real angry with Austin Hooper with the Browns. I'm not going to draft Austin Hooper. I I think you guys have forgotten that I hate tight ends. <laughs> yeah, clearly, because you don't like uh, Austin did you Hooper. Say he, did you say he was a tight end three last year, Hooper? Yeah, and half PPR and points per game, he was tight end three. 
Really? Because I'm on Fantasy Pros right now, and they're saying uh, tight end six. Uh, uh, not according to FF Today. Either way, he was good last yeah, year. No, he was behind. He was behind Ertz, Andrews, Waller, Kittle, Kelsey. Ertz, Waller, Waller, really? Darren Waller, Oakland. Darren, I know who Darren Waller is. I think he sucks. Uh, let's see. Yes. But he didn't suck last year. That's the thing. You are looking at. Damn. Overall points, I think. At fantasy points? Yeah, I am. Yeah, this is, I was saying per game, because he missed a couple Oh, games. you know what? You're right, I am. Okay, I'm wrong. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. All I'm right. wrong that'll, about that. Do I'm it. not wrong about Austin Hooper sucking. That'll do it for this. You said you're wrong. This, <laughs> the episode is over. It's done. <laughs> yeah, you were looking at uh, total points. Which he was sixth in total points, and he missed three games. How do you like them apples, huh? Huh? Counterpoint. He's still a tight end. Counter counterpoint. We're not even talking about Austin Hooper. We're talking about Hayden Hurst. Who has? They're the both same... garbage tight ends. That's my point. <laughs> By virtue of being a tight end, they are trash. That's how it is. Trash? All right. That is how it is. I guess we'll leave it at that. Unless Mike, do you have a rebuttal? I, I agree with Wally. Tight ends are trash. They're great. All of them. I love all my – you guys try having a top-tier tight end on your team and then tell me how, how, how you feel about tight ends. Because let me tell you, I love George Kittle. I love George Kittle. So uh, rising tide lifts all boats. I think tight ends are good now. It's like kickers. Kelsey and, and Kittle are the only, like, exciting tight ends. Tucker and maybe somebody else is a kicker. The only exciting kickers. After that, who cares? Yep, that's exactly it. Kaseki. Like next, next, this after this season, Gusecki will be in that group. I'm sure. Yes, he's gonna he's gonna kick Ertz out of the top three, and he's gonna take his spot. All right, I'm gonna call it. Now I'm just talking nonsense. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Football Absurdity Podcast. If you like what you heard, you can rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. We would greatly appreciate it. We will be back next week in the bonus feed, and we will have more. Uh, levity and fantasy football conversation for you so for mike for waleed i almost said evan evan's not on this episode thank you for listening and you have a good one bye take care guys